Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 117 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Zach Diamond and I use he, him pronouns and I'm a middle school digital music teacher in Washington, D.C. And of course, I'm a Modern Classrooms implementer in my music class and I'm also a mentor and I also produce this very podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Lydia Crush, who is a high school ESL and world geography teacher at Meadowbrook High School in Chesterfield County Public Schools in Virginia. Uh, Lydia is also a distinguished Modern Classrooms educator and is currently applying to become a mentor. So very much being inducted into the Modern Classrooms world. And I think that the uh, appearance on the podcast will certainly help. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Lydia. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be a really interesting topic. Uh, we're going to be talking tonight about reflection and metacognition in modern classrooms, and I guess in general, um, which is something that has come up quite a lot in terms of talking about the model uh, on the podcast. It's something that I think that most people who are familiar with the model and how it works understand that it's a really important part of this model, having students reflect on their learning, reflect on their pacing, and and think about their learning process um, in addition to the learning itself. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, before we dive in, though, Lydia, I'd like for you to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us more about who you are, what you teach, and how you started your Modern Classrooms journey. So yes, yeah, so like we said, my name is Lydia Crush, and I use they, them pronouns. And I first found out about Modern Classrooms Project because my sister sent me one of the Cult of Pedagogy podcasts episodes that was about mastery-based grading, I think like back in 2020. And when I first listened to it, I was absolutely hooked. This is now my fifth year teaching, and one of the more frustrating things about teaching is how do we do grading? How can we make grading equitable? How can we make it fair? But how can we make it actually reflect the student's understanding? And there's so many different ways of grading. And I kept running into issues with all of them. Um, Nothing was really working for me and my students. And I love the idea of mastery-based grading, but I didn't know how to implement it. And then COVID hit and it was, I didn't find a way to make it work yet. Um, I was looking for a way to reach more of my learners. And especially at my school, there's high rates of absenteeism. And with our ESL students in our school, there's new enrollments throughout the school year because of students finishing the school in their home countries and then transferring and immigrating to the United States. And I didn't have the tools to meet students where they were. And I knew that what I was doing wasn't working, um, but I didn't have an idea of how to make it better. So when I found out about Modern Classrooms Project and the fact that I could create units of learning that would be accessible and available to students, whether they were there in September or if they were arriving in March, April, and May, they could still be able to access previous learning and previous activities without necessarily needing to be in the classroom if they were absent or even if they weren't yet enrolled at our school. So I started implementing at the beginning of 2022. It was rough. I had a very hard time getting everything done. There is so much work when it comes to creating these kinds of things from scratch. Yeah. And I was definitely lost. Um, My introduction to Modern Classrooms Project, my like rollout 
unit, I didn't know what I expected for the class, and so I had a very hard time explaining it to my students as well. But towards the beginning of the year, and especially after having participated in the mentorship program, I got into a better rhythm of how the units were going to flow, what must-dos looked like, what should-dos were, what aspire-to-dos were, um, and being able to communicate that more clearly with my students it definitely got a lot smoother. Oh, that's cool. So you actually started implementing before you did the mentorship program. Yes, I was like four or five months in by the time I did the mentorship. Wow, that's really cool. I feel like more and more, I've been mentoring, I've been implementing the model for like four, this is my fourth year with the model. uh, And I've been mentoring for a while. And I feel like more and more I have mentees who are, increasingly familiar with the model and have even tried it. And I think that it's it's actually really cool. Um, I love working with all mentees. You know, I don't want to cast aspersions on those who haven't tried the model or who are new to it, my mentees. But but when you have tried things out, it's, it, it's a different type of discussion that you have uh, as a mentor and mentee in that relationship, you know? And I think that it's really interesting to see that people are coming in uh, that way into the mentorship program, having already tried it for, for months in your case. Yeah, for me, it was really helpful getting that feedback. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a thought partner. You know, I think that it's really just great to work through your class with another person. You know, Um, some of the people that I am am mentoring are like veteran teachers. You know, I've been teaching for a long time, but not as long as some of my mentees. And so all that I really have for them is perspective on the model. And so it's just it's a thought partner relationship. You know, Um, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, I'd, li- I'd like you to tell me and the listeners a little bit more about your class. Um, so it's ESL and World Geography. Can, can you just describe sort of what your class is? So how ESL or English as a second language or learning as an additional language is set up in our school district is that we as the ESL teachers are tasked with giving students the tools to add English to their repertoire. So the language skills that they need to be successful in academics and in social situations. Um, But we're doing that within the realm of an academic course. So the course that I teach is world geography. So I'm beholden to meet certain SOL standards and testings and make sure that the content is being delivered to the students in an equitable manner but also giving students the opportunities and the activities to practice and increase their language proficiency. So it's, it's both. It is the content and the language, both of which are meant to be very explicit instruction on the content and the language. So the class that I teach is a sheltered course, which are mostly being phased out but our school has such a large ESL population that it's the best way to meet the needs of our newcomer students. So newcomers are given the opportunity to be in ESL World Geography, which is mostly grades 9 through 11. Some students are transfers, and mostly ages about 14 to 18. The instruction is in English. It's not a bilingual program, but I use Spanish, which I speak, and most of my students are Spanish-speaking, to be able to get to know them and those relationship-building activities and how are you and how's your weekend, how are you doing, um, to be able to just get to know the students and build that level of trust between us. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I I teach uh, I teach music in Spanish, actually, and I and I 
you know, I, I'm in the reverse situation where I'm teaching Spanish as a second language and most of my students speak English. Um, and I obviously speak English. I'm doing it right now. But, um, you know, like I will use English with them when I'm building relationships because I feel like that's I don't want to come across as like this hardline teacher who is like when you're with me, you're always learning Spanish. I want to build relationships with them and they and they speak English. You know, they want to speak to me in English and I want to listen to them. So um, I, I, I totally feel I totally feel that. Yeah. Even small things like being able to hear congratulations or hey, good job, or you can do it in your native language just resonates so much stronger than hearing it in a language that you're still learning how to navigate and seeing the differences in their reactions. It, it's important to be able to give students a chance to feel good about themselves, to be able to build that confidence that yes, you are a capable individual and yes, this is hard, but you can also do hard things. Yeah. And without having to feel like you're forcing them to to be academic about it and learn English in the process. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and part of that is using not only English, but also their native language or Spanish. When we're talking about the public trackers, the public and individual progress trackers, it helps them keep an eye on their responsibility with where they are within the unit, but also the fact that they have agency over their progress and having those conversations with students in English is pretty surface level. But when we can have those conversations in their native language, it helps them actually be able to reflect on how they're doing in the course and what's benefiting them and what is not. Right. Yeah. And so that's where you really start getting into that metacognitive reflective kind of stuff, right? Like, I guess that makes sense talking about the, like sort of talking about in a meta way, about the tracker and the class structure and like the responsibilities and such uh, in the native language is, is, is really more authentic. It's not like now we're learning English. It's now we're reflecting. Now we're, we're engaging in metacognition and talking about this tracker, you know, and, and that's authentic for them when they do it in their native language. Um, so to, to start getting more into that topic, which is our topic for tonight really is uh, metacognition and reflection. Uh, I'm curious to hear you describe for me, apart from the pacing tracker, which may be a big part of the answer, but like, what do your students reflect on? Is it, is it their language learning? Is it on uh, geography? Is it on their progress? Like, what, what does the reflection look like in your class? It's definitely a mix. As of right now, most of their reflection is on the content, what we're learning regarding world history. But I like the idea of being able to also reflect on their language learning. How do they feel about their progress navigating the language? What kinds of situations do they feel comfortable being in? Even if it's something small, like I feel confident asking the teacher, can I go to the bathroom in English? That makes a difference. You can now advocate for yourself yeah. in a new way than you couldn't earlier. And that's growth. Yeah. And But right now, it's primarily just reflecting on the content um, and their progress within the course. The fact that, at, so at the end of every unit, there, I have students complete a reflection on what habits do they have that help them while they're working through the unit, what habits do not help them um, to help them be more aware of their actions and their habits having an impact on them and the fact that they can have control over that. Um, I don't like it when teachers have signs up in their classroom saying, I don't assign grades, you earn them. Like, yes, but also students do have the 
agency to make choices of their own to be in control of their learning um, and giving students a chance to realize that and think about that, I think is really important. Um, so those are more formal methods of reflection, but others are informal. So if I'm walking around the class and I see a couple students are either distracted or they're not necessarily working on the assignment that I know that they should be working on that day, I'll use that as a chance to check in with them and you know, hello, how are you? What are we working on right now? And if they look at me like they don't really have an answer, then we use that as a chance to reference the progress tracker. Like, okay, what day is today? Which lesson should we be working on? Are you caught up to this lesson? And if you're not, what are the activities that you can complete to be able to catch up with where we're working on things today? And those sorts of informal reflections give students a chance to be like, oh, shnikes, I spent all last class playing Free Fire with my friends, so I really need to be able to like get it together today because I want to yeah. make sure that I'm prepared for the quiz that we're going to have at the beginning of next week. And knowing that they have the skills to get there helps them realize that they can do that. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, like, uh, I often ask students, why are you behind? Can you articulate why? And the answer is usually like... Yeah, something along those lines, right? And I mismanaged my time. And I, I like to tell them, you know, okay, when you do that, uh, you're borrowing time from your future self, right? Like <laughs> your future self is going to have to pay that time back um, if you want to get this done. Um, and I, I remember Kareem had a, had a line that he said that I really liked, uh, which was something along the lines of like, was it worth it? You know, did do, are you glad that you did that? Are you glad that you spent all of the last class watching YouTube or, or would you do you now wish that you had done something differently? And I think that that kind of reflection, uh, it's it's almost like the pacing tracker gives students some some sort of insight into that part of themselves that I think in traditional classes I didn't see them ever considering that agency that that sort of like the role that they play in their learning, whether in a traditional or a modern classroom, uh, the amount of effort that they put in and the amount of buy in from them and the the identity that they bring into the classroom as a learner in my class, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like doing these reflective activities with the data on the pacing tracker, it makes it much more concrete in their eyes, you know, or in their minds. And, and they can say, Oh, I, I actually am behind, you know, like that was me borrowing that time from my future self. And my future self is me now, right? Like I have to, I have to make this up because I fell behind because of whatever I was doing. Yeah. And that's why I switched to last year. I just did the public facing tracker and that was enough for me to be able to keep track of the data of the progress that students were making within a course, but it wasn't detailed enough for the students I realized. And so this year I have an individualized progress tracker in addition to the public facing one that lists each and every single activity that's included within a unit is the lesson must do, should do, or aspire to do which parts of a lesson might be should do if it's an extra practice in addition to the main classwork activity to be able to help students really clearly visualize what are all the steps that are encompassed in order for me to be able to reach a certain goal. Because the did you finish such and such lesson public facing tracker just didn't give them enough detail and information for them to see where they were within a lesson or within a unit. And the private or individualized tracker does give them that. They can see specifically which activities are involved, 
and what things must be completed to be able to progress to the next part of the unit. Yeah. Which helps them with that reflection. Yeah. Is so I was I'm curious, is that is that personal individual tracker, is it like view only for them or can they do they have activities to do on it? that are reflective. I asked because I just tried this out this year in my class and my students actually kind of pushed back. They didn't like it. Um, but I put in my guided notes packet, I put a reflection at the end of every single lesson that was basically like, what did I do today? What will I do first when I come in, in the next class? And, you know, after finishing a five minute ed puzzle, or actually at the end of class, I said, take the last five minutes of class to write in your very brief responses. And they kind of didn't like it, but I actually saw them doing interesting things in there and so i ask like if that if that tracker has any interactive component to it built around reflection not explicitly but for more for the formal or more for the informal personal discussions that i'll have with students and i'm happy to share a copy of one of my private or individual facing trackers but it's essentially a checklist that I print out for students of everything that's involved with the unit. It includes due dates as well as any important dates like a quiz or a summative assignment that might be at the end of the unit. There's no explicit reflection involved in that progress tracker itself, but we use that progress tracker to be able to talk about how is a student doing in this unit. Like, look at you, today is this date, and you're supposed to be, or you are currently on this lesson and the rest of the class is working on a lesson that you finished last class. Like you're totally killing it and you can actually literally see, and maybe this is just a me thing, but I find it really satisfying when I can physically mark something off. Like I have a pencil in my hand. I can scratch this off. I can do a giant check mark. I can scribble it out. I have completed this step and there's something really satisfying about physically making this change on this paper. Um, so I find that students are able to, they, they prefer a paper one. Um, and some students, depending on their previous experience with technology, really struggle with technology. And I'm trying to not burden them with technology more than is helpful. Yeah, no, if you could share that, that would be awesome. I'll link it in the show notes. And uh, I I agree. I guess like there's nothing formally reflective about it like it's not a reflection assignment but it is a very reflective activity right and it it sounds like it does come up in conversations with them between you and the students right and so that counts as reflection right like that's that's what we mean when we say organic reflection in a modern classroom it's like just the very the very setup of the class itself lends itself to that type of thought that type of looking back and seeing how my past decisions influenced my self today you know, my present self. Um, I really like that. I really like that. Uh, I want my next question for you actually was this. So this, I guess, was a good transition. I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you leverage the modern classrooms model to promote metacognition and reflection in your students. And it, it might be, you know, formal reflection activities. I do those or I actually have it's, it's an assignment. I ask them specific questions that they know because they're the same from unit to unit. Um, or it might just be those sort of informal discussions that you have with them on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, I feel like this topic has come up. I said this in the intro, like this topic has come up many, many times on this podcast and just in general in discussions about the modern classrooms model, because as we've both kind of said, like it's, it's, it's built in, you know, like having that tracker puts, puts that progress in front of the students in a way that is very concrete and explicit to them. And it, it just encourages them to, to reflect. But I, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about, 
uh, your use of the model to encourage that type of thought with, with your students? For me, the individual pacing tracker definitely helps lead to the conversations about pacing and student accountability in a way that a traditional teaching model didn't. For me, we get to look through how a student is progressing in a unit and reflect on how they're progressing, what things are helping them to progress, what things are making it difficult, as well as gives me the chance just on a personal level to be able to step in and lend a hand if there's something going on that I might not have been able to know about before. Um, Just having the time to be able to talk to my students and get to know them gives me the chance to know, oh, my student literally has a child at home that they are taking care of. This is why they're absent all the time. And their parent was worried about the fact that, you know, she's not able to keep up in school because she's having to skip school to stay home to take care of her daughter. But now that I know this, I was able to talk to the student's parent and let them know that she can be successful because of literally how the class is set up. (laughs) She's able to access things online and she can take this packet of notes and assignments to her house to be able to complete on her own time at her own pace in a way that wasn't available previously, which for me is a huge part of equitable learning and why I'm a teacher in the first place. I'm a teacher to be able to help students and help people access information and learning and skills that will help them in their life. And that's not, I'm not going to gatekeep that based on attendance. (laughs) I'm not going to gatekeep that based on disabilities. I'm not going to gatekeep that based on native language and modern classrooms just gives me the chance to be able to do that as well as let students see their own abilities and their own strengths and their learning through their reflections. Um, That was off topic a little, but my own little soapbox. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I love it. (laughs) But using modern classrooms model, also just the concept of a pacing tracker is a huge part of reflection. So much of our American school system is the students are expected to be passive. They're expected to be receptive. I, the teacher, pour information into my student's cup. The student's cup is full. Congratulations, teacher. You did a good job teaching. And that's not what teaching is. That's not what learning is. Um, That's not how skill building works. And the fact that, that we have a pacing tracker where students can see how they're moving through a unit. These are the skills that I now have. These are the skills that I still need to continue working on, put students in the quote unquote driver's seat of their learning and their education. They're able to take, make the decisions they need to make to be successful, Um, which is also a huge part of just being an adult. (laughs) It's part of how we need to, no one's going to tell me what I need to do in the morning. I need to be aware of what tasks need to happen in the household what self-care needs to happen to be able to keep myself going and our household going, that no one gives me a to-do list at the beginning of the day, that I need to figure that out myself and be an active participant in my own life as well. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's that's rather profound, but like I, every word that you were saying, I was like, I'm like nodding my head here. It's not a video <laughs> podcast and nobody can see, but... um. How do I even respond? I have so many thoughts. I, I, uh, something that you made me think of, and I don't even know if this is related to something that you actually said, but just as you were talking, something that came into my head was this feeling that I had, um, 
when I was teaching traditionally and I was explaining every day was the lesson, right? Every day was a, a new lesson. And I would walk around after I had finished teaching the lesson and I would walk up to a student and like, I would be like, you haven't even done the one from yesterday or the one from the day before or the one from the day before, you know, and, and I would see that and they, they would just be lost in their project. Their project would have very little progress. They would have no idea what they were doing. And what I realized was like, they also don't realize that they're that far behind. <laughs> like they were maybe trying to listen today and trying to do what I was teaching them today. But when you talked about students being in the driver's seat, it's like if they don't understand, like if they don't understand the progression and and their productivity, I guess is one way of putting it, but like their effort relating to their progression through a unit, I don't think that they see, they're not in the driver's seat. They don't see their own ability to affect that progression. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how like understanding that progression and not being able to move on until I can say, I think you're ready to move on. And I don't mean like I'm gatekeeping the, the content, right? But I'm having them go back and revise when they didn't learn something. Or if they wasted their time that they they are reaping their own consequences of what they've sown, right? Or if they're super far ahead, I'm like, man, look at you. How did you do that? And they were like, either they're like, it was really easy, or they're like, I worked really hard. Or they're like, I didn't do the should do's because I didn't feel like I wanted to, uh, I have stuff in other classes. And so I prioritized and I made an intentional decision to not do the should do's for today. And so I got a little ahead on the must do's. And all of those are like, you are explaining to me the car you're driving because you're in the driver's seat, you know? Um, maybe now I'm on my soapbox. All soapboxes are welcome here on the Modern Classrooms Project podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe not all. But like, um, I don't know. I just everything you said was very, very resonant for me. And yeah, that was that was my response. <laughs> yeah, I think one more tiny thing to be able to add into that is it, at my school, there's we have a large number of students that transfer in or enroll during the school year. And the, stip the typical school structure isn't built to be able to give students an on-ramp to learning if they show up in January, if they show up in March. It's just expected, oh, you're here now, fill out some worksheets for a couple months, twiddle your thumbs, and then we'll reset again in the fall. And students are losing the chance to participate in learning, or they're pushed ahead without really having been able to grasp what's going on in the classes that they're in. And what we were talking about just now with reflecting on their learning, I can see students progress from being completely thoroughly lost as you should be when you arrive in a country that you don't know the culture, you don't know the language, you don't know the educational structures to how you are a few months after and you've adjusted and you've settled in, you know, the routine of mixed crushes class, you know what we do when we walk into mixed crushes class and you can access the learning even if you haven't been here for the first few months, even if you haven't been here for the first three marking periods, you can still participate with, with what's going on and learn and grow. And not only for me to be able to notice that in a student, but giving students the opportunity to see that for themselves. How much more confident do you feel in the class? Do you feel like you can do these things? Do you feel like you can ask questions? Do you feel like you are capable of learning in this class and gaining information from this material in a way that you might not have earlier and giving them the chance to recognize that for themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was interesting to me that you mentioned that. That's that's a very tricky situation when a student is sort of enrolled that late. <laughs> I, my, I have a similar situation. It's not quite as extreme because it's just within my school. But, you know, I teach, uh, I guess, what you would consider to be a special or an elective, right, um, in, in middle school. And sometimes students, you know, after the first semester have their schedules changed and they get put into my class. And it's not like switching from one math section to another math section where it's, you know, eighth grade math is eighth grade math. You know, they missed the first half of my class, and so it's a similar situation. I, um, I, I feel that. Although I do feel like, uh, if it, they were being transferred into an entirely new language, an entirely new country, it would be a more, <laughs> <laughs> a more extreme transition. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to me that you mentioned that. Uh, anyway, all that is amazing. I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. We are going to take a short break, but listeners, stick around because this is. This is fantastic. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Lydia a little bit more about some of the specifics of their modern classroom, um, some of the specific stuff that they put in front of their students. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, listeners, it's Tony Rose here with some announcements and reminders. If you and or your teacher bestie are interested in the virtual mentorship program, we do have scholarships available. Make sure to check out modernclassrooms.org scholarships. We have regional scholarships available for educators in Baltimore City, New York City, D.C., Chicago, Tulsa County, and the Twin Cities that include full tuition, a year of implementation support, and a $500 stipend for finishing the program. We are continuing our scholarship across the state of Indiana, which includes implementation support and 30 PGPs. Any educator in the state can enroll right now at modernclassrooms.org indiana. We also have partnerships with districts across the country who are paying for educators to go through our training. As for professional learning, make sure to check out our webinars page on modernclassrooms.org webinars. And to connect with our community, join our Twitter chat on the first Wednesday of the month and our virtual meetup on the second Wednesday of the month. Both are at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and we hope to connect with you outside of our podcast. All right, folks, we are back here with Lydia, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the specifics of their modern classroom right now and, and how they use, well, the modern classroom's model and also just in general, how they promote metacognition and reflection uh, in their ESL world geography classes. So to, to really start diving into the nitty gritty here, can you tell me just some examples of the tools that you use in your modern classroom to promote metacognition and reflection? And I'm referring to like actual things that students do, questions you ask them on, on you know, documents, uh, activities that they engage in, things like that. Can you give some examples of, of how you uh, have your students engage with metacognition and, and reflection? Yes, absolutely. So at the beginning of each class, students come in, grab their binders and their Chromebooks, and in their Chromebooks, they complete a Google Forms reflection goal-setting form, where it asks them what what is your pace? You know, are you currently on pace? Are you catching up or are you ahead of pace? What lesson are you working on today, which might or might not be the lesson that would be the assigned lesson? And what is their goal for the period? And for this part, the, for me, the important part is thinking about where is that student in the lesson? So have you just started? or you have yet to begin this lesson, or you're just about to finish up, you only have to finish up revising and retaking the mastery check. Like how much of that lesson have you completed already? Um, what can you realistically get done? And part of that ties into a social emotional check-in 
towards the end of the do now where it's like, how are you feeling today? Yeah. You know, feeling not so great today. I'm just here and I'm going to chug along or I'm ready to go and I'm feeling really great. Not everybody's going to be able to complete the same amount of material in the same day. And it's okay if today you're not going to be able to get as much done as you did the last class. That's okay. And reflecting on your own personal well-being and how that affects how much you're able to get done is also good. We don't need to hold ourselves to ridiculously high standards if we literally just physically can't do everything in one day. That's all right. Um, and then the last question is just, do you have a specific question for the class or the lesson that they need help with from me right away? Um, because there's only one of me and there are 25 plus of them. And so if there's something that needs my attention right away, I'd like to know that. Other than that, they can just go ahead picking up where they left off in the lesson or starting the next new lesson. And I like to keep that do now short and sweet. It doesn't need to be a highly detailed thing. Most of those are multiple choice that they simply click which option is the, mo the best fit for them in that moment. And the only typing that's required is their name and what their goal is. So I like to keep that as short as I can to be able to reduce the language load for that activity and then let them progress into the actual lesson. Um, the other tangible document that I have is the end of the unit reflection, which is modeled after a reflection that was shared in one of the Modern Classrooms teachers forums or the Facebook page. And at the moment, that reflection is primarily focused on their ability or capability to navigate through the unit as well as their comprehension of the content. So starting out with questions like, how do you feel about the note-taking process? Do the notes help you organize and learn the information in the class or the notes don't help you? Um, how can Mixed Crush best support you with misunderstandings or misconceptions in your notes? If a student copies something in their notes incorrectly, how can I help them catch that? Or what can we do together to be able to try and avoid those kinds of misconceptions earlier rather than later when they're about to take a mastery check? Um, other questions like, how do you feel about self-paced learning? Not everybody feels great about it in every single moment of the year. And what can I do to be able to make it better for them? Either more group work activity with that student or more group instruction, more one-on-one -on -one instruction. What will help a student feel better about that? class and how we run so that they can be more successful. I also, for me, one important thing that is in regards to metacognition and reflection is also grades, unfortunately. Um, not only are we learning and there's the important aspects of learning that are comprehension of the material and building of skills, but that's reflected in a grade and my school still definitely uses grades. And so I want to make sure that there's no surprises for the students. I want to make sure that students have access to their grades. Do you know where to check your grade? Do you know what the word missing means? Do you know what revising means? How do you, what can you do to change that? Um, checking in with students at the end of the unit about that as well. And because we have so many new students that are constantly enrolling in the class, just because I said something last unit doesn't mean that everyone still understands all of these things which might seem like more simple, basic, how to be a student skills. So I check in about that every single unit. How do you check your grades and what can you do about it if you see a grade you don't like?
Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, my school, when we do parent-teacher conferences, we actually call them student-led conferences, and the students run the conference themselves, and they have to talk me and their and their family through their grades. Uh, I think it's a really, it's very much like where the where the rubber meets the road kind of a thing. You know, it's like where where did this come from? Why did this happen? Why was your English grade so high? What was easy about English? Or you know, why was your science grade so low? What happened in science? And they'll 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 think about it and they'll say, oh well. Um, you know, I was absent for a summative or something like that. And now, and I would ask, okay, can you make it up? Things like that. And it's like, it just, it generates a very, like, very reflective and metacognitive conversation. So I really like that. That's very cool. That's very cool. And one last step in the reflection is not just having the students reflect on how the class is going, but also giving them a chance to help me reflect on how the class is going. Yes. Just because I've taught this class before doesn't necessarily mean that this class is perfect and exactly how it needs to be always and forever. And so the last part of the reflection is always, what would you like me to know so that I can improve their learning experience in the next unit? Everything, this is all a working document. You know, this is not set in stone. And so if there's a certain type of activity that they really don't like, or if there's a way that I can organize things better, or even smaller things like, I don't know, maybe a link wasn't working, or I had difficulty accessing this task, helps me make it better for them. Because the easier and more streamlined the online presentation of the material is, the more the students get to focus on the content. And that is the purpose of the class. <laughs> yeah, f- fully agreed. I have a question on my final unit reflection as well. Actually, I have two questions. One says, what is one thing that Mr. Diamond should keep about this unit? And then what is one thing that Mr. Diamond should change about this unit? Um, and I always go to that those questions first, honestly, uh-huh. when I'm grading uh-huh. these final assessments, because I want to see. Like, first of all, it's nice to get the validation when, when they say what I'm doing well. I like that. It's a nice little dopamine hit you know it's fun to read um but their suggestions are always like you know kids are they can be brutally honest right but they're very honest like they'll tell you and i think that in putting together that feedback they also have to think back so they're reflecting and they're saying man lesson four was really really hard and so i'll read that and i'll say okay I, I'm reflecting and I think back and I remember lots of students struggling with lesson four. So maybe next time I teach this unit, I need to break lesson four into two lessons or something or or, or or teach it in a different way or whatever the case may be. Sometimes they just complain. A lot of my students, I do require my students on some of their songs to, to sing. And they all put, every, whenever I require that, they all say, don't make us sing. And I'm like, sorry, that's just going to be how it is. But um no, they they do have very meaningful feedback, and I love that you brought that up. I didn't even think of that, and I love the, that you brought that up because it, it's reflective for everyone. It's it's just a reflective practice. Yes, I can see all of or most of my students complaining whenever we have to do a speaking activity because speaking is an important part of language ex- acquisition. We need to practice not only language input, how you, reading and listening comprehension, but also language output, reading or writing and speaking. And those are skills that are built or developed secondary. Those skills happen after listening and reading does. So it's harder. Students don't like things that are hard. (laughs) And so they tend to complain whenever we have a speaking activity. But yes, I I would expect that type of feedback as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's some some types of feedback where I'm just like, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Yeah. Um, No, but that's a great point. Um, So let's move on. I want to ask you about how you 
ensure that the reflection and metacognitive thinking that's happening in your class feels authentic to your students. You know, I, I, I also give my students those reflective end of unit assignments. I was mentioning them. And students can kind of get burnt out on that. It starts to feel like a school assignment. You know, I, I also mentioned that I put those reflections in their guided notes packets and they kind of pushed back. They didn't want it. It felt like extra work to them, even though I kind of felt like I saw them sort of laying out their plans for the next class in a very productive and efficient way. They didn't like it because it felt like work. You know, I, I don't want to ask them to do too much. Like I don't want to overburden them. And I don't want I certainly don't want to ask them questions that it just feels to them like I'm asking them so that they have to jump through hoops for school, you know. so. How do you keep it authentic? You know, can you speak to the authenticity and relevance of the reflection that you're having your students do? And and how do you help them to see the value in these sort of like reflective activities? Definitely. Right at first when I started Modern Classrooms last year, I students viewed the do nows as busy work. They I didn't have I was juggling so many things that I hadn't specifically set up a routine for myself to be able to access and review their responses there in the moment. And so students wouldn't hear feedback on their responses. And it felt like, oh, mixed crush is just making us do a thing to make us do a thing. And so their reflection responses weren't authentic. They, they weren't actually reflecting on their daily progress or what is my goal for the day. They were just clicking buttons and continuing. Um, and so what I do now is that on my computer screen, when I'm taking attendance, I'll have attendance on one screen and I'll have their daily do nail responses on the other screen. And as it gets pulled up, I'll just call out a student's name. Okay. Hey, thank you. So-and-so for finishing your do now. You can get started on your lesson. Thank you. So-and-so I got your do now. You're good to go ahead and start your lesson. And then not only do they get that immediate feedback of, all right, cool. Mixed crush knows that I am doing this activity as well as that I'm looking through their work and I'll be able to see that a certain student is, or maybe even they are still struggling with how to complete the do now responses in the first place. They clicked and said that they were ahead of pace when they're not actually ahead of pace, or they clicked and marked the lesson that the class is doing, but not necessarily the lesson that they themselves are working on that class. And using that as a chance to check in with them and start that reflection process of, no, wait, we have this progress tracker. This is your to-do list that guides you through this unit. Actually, where are you in this unit? What progress are you making in this unit? The response that you put is this, but is this actually the progress that you've made so far? Yes or no? And even with smaller things, giving them a chance to reflect on their reflection <laughs> and how the how our class works and functions. And we also get to discuss the end of unit reflections after students have completed the end of unit reflections, the last 15 minutes of the class, the day that we have the test or the quiz, and they finish that reflection as a group being able to shout, give themselves a shout out or give a friend a shout out as well as let me know verbally which things they want repeated and which things they might or might not want to see again. Okay, yeah, yeah. All, all this is, is really cool and very, like, uh, actionable, too. Like, I can I can imagine doing it in my class. The one that I, that I love is having the do now responses open on your screen there because it's such a small little thing that, that you know, it's an action that you take as the teacher, but, like, the students knowing that you're reading the responses it's such a big deal, you know, because they're like, oh, they're they're reading these answers. If I have something to say, 
I can actually say it here, you know, and I don't my I don't say it out loud. My peers don't have to hear me say it. I can say it directly to the teacher. And, and I, I think that that gives them, if they don't have anything to say, maybe they'll just say that I have nothing to say today. Right. But if they do have something to say, uh, it will be authentic. It will feel authentic because they want to tell you, you know, I love that. Um, and I might steal that from you <laughs> and start doing it myself. Um, I, I, so Tony Rose and I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, or actually several episodes ago now, but, uh, this tracker that, or sort of like form and tracker that, that Rob made for checking in with your learners. I'm going to link that in the show notes and there's a YouTube video explaining it. It's really, 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 really amazing. Um, it like spits out automated answers when a student it's, it's mostly clicking and just sort of clicking on scales from one to five, but it generates what you should do with the students. So it tells you like, check in with this student, leave the student alone. The student's having a rough day. It's, it's very cool. Very, uh, very Rob to make something like that. And I'll link it in the show notes. It's a really cool resource. And I thought of it as you were saying that, like watching the responses come in. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and all of that is, is very cool and, and yeah, definitely very authentic. I think that like, I, I know with my end of unit reflection activities, I will like carry my laptop over to a student who's sort of slacking off and be like, look what you wrote in your previous unit reflection. Like you said that you were going to work harder. You, know? <laughs> you said you weren't going to slack off so much. And that's their words, you know, it's yeah. their document. Like they wrote that, um, which, you know, it's kind of a got you, I guess. But, um, I have, you know, I wouldn't do that with a student who's like having a bad day. Yeah. Right. Or, or who's like, it was a joke, you know, it's sort of like a, it's a, it's, it's a lighthearted thing that I'm doing. I wouldn't do it like in a mean way. No, but that it's, it's a good way to also help them remember what their previous goals were. Right. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll set, oh, what are they called? New Year's. So like New Year's goal things. It's like this year I'm going to read a hundred books or this year I'm going to make a movie or this year I'm going to cure something or you know create better mental health habits or something and then by jan the end of january we forget what we even said we wanted to do and it's a nice way to check in with students about this is the thing that you 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 had an interest in completing this goal are you able to are you still working towards that or is that something that you might have just you forgot and now i'm reminding you yeah. Yeah. And you made me think of that when you said reflecting on their reflections, you know, because that is a reflection. Like, I wish that I had done better on this unit. And then two weeks later, they're just going right back to the same habits again. And it's like, you know, how how can we change this loop, you know, so you don't have to keep reflecting on your poor performance. And, and instead, you can reflect on how well you did. Right. You can think about how easy it felt when you got something, how good you felt when you got something done. You know, uh, how how can we break out of this? And I think that like showing them that it's their own words, you know, because in the moment, a student who didn't finish a unit off very strong, they feel bad that those are our authentic words that they're writing. You know, they wish that they had done better. They can't change the past. And they realize like, I'm going to get a bad grade on this if they didn't do well. And so like reminding them of that feeling, I guess, isn't the, the like the warmest and fuzziest thing to do, but it's like, if we're going to break out of this, we need to, we need to reflect on what happened and, and not let it happen again. You know, it's happening now. So let's, let's make sure it doesn't. But I, I also, I like how you've sort of brought to this conversation, this idea of framing reflection in a positive way as well. Like not just thinking about what has gone wrong and how to fix it, but uh, thinking about what has gone well and celebrating it because we learn from that too. Yeah. While we're talking about this, I'm thinking of implementing a public sort of like shout out board kind of thing as a way of student giving students a chance to share what things have benefited them. 
like what has worked for you this past unit to be able to give other students ideas? Um, Because at least for me, whenever people ask me open-ended questions, I just freeze and I go blank. Someone asked me, what is my favorite ice cream? I will completely forget what ice cream flavors exist. But if someone gives me a multiple choice option of out of these three ice cream flavors, which ones do you prefer? Now I suddenly know what my favorite ice cream flavor is. So same thing with reflection or your processes in class. When I ask students in their reflection, what habits do you have that benefited you? They go blank. They forget the things that they're doing well. And having a public place for students to see, oh, this is something that another student does. Well, I mostly stay off of my phone most class. I think I can commit to staying off of my phone during class maybe a little more. Or being aware of the fact that, hey, yeah, I usually don't play on my phone during class. That is a thing that I'm doing that helps me stay focused on what we're doing. To be able to recognize the things that they are already doing that they might not see for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. And I really appreciate that the conversation has kind of gone that way, framing reflection. I mean, I do think that there's value in reflecting when you've messed up as well. Right. But uh, I I like this because it's not something that we talk about as much when we talk about reflection. It's usually like, how can we fix mistakes? But I I like how can we learn from our successes as well? Um, I guess so for my last question, this is a nice little transition. I I was going to ask you, you know, if students are authentically reflecting and hopefully seeing the benefits of reflection themselves, what would you say have been the benefits that you have observed as you've used the model to promote, or just in general, apart from the MCP model, right? But like, what sorts of benefits have you observed in your students in in encouraging them to reflect more and to be more metacognitive in their thinking about their learning? When it comes to reflection for me, or implementing reflection with my students started out with just the focus on the grades. Here is our grades. There's one week left before the end of the marking period. What can you do to alter where you are with grades? Or do you feel good about your grade the way that it is? And that sort of pre-reflection activity. Um, But at this point, it's more focused on letting students see where they are, not just in terms of their grades, but their own learning and their understanding and their student learning habits because learning doesn't stop when you graduate learning continues after that whether or not it's in a formal academic setting and the habits that we have when we're a student are similar to the habits that we have outside of learning and if we can be aware of what those habits are specifically speaking I prefer to work individually or I prefer to work talking and working one-on-one with a friend, or I prefer to follow while another student is leading. Um, Do you prefer sitting, standing, walking around the room? Do you like paper? Do you like digital? Do you like working quickly? Do you like having a lot of time to work at your own pace? Those sorts of reflecting on who you are and how you work as an individual are an important part of growing up and getting to know oneself. Um, And I've seen and observed that students feel more confident when they know themselves better. Like when a student knows, hey, Mixed Crush, do you have this in paper? Because I just, I can't with the click and drag. I was like, cool, great. We also have this on paper. Thank you for telling me that. You now are able to access the material a lot quicker than I thought you would have otherwise. This is awesome. And thank you for advocating for yourself, telling me what you need. And we can make it happen. And 
but that only happens when students are given a chance to think about how they work and how they learn to be able to recognize that in themselves. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I love that. Uh, the self-advocacy piece is a, is a really big one. I have, st- and I teach younger students than you do. So I'm always impressed when, you know, a seventh grader can be like, Mr. Diamond, I need to change seats because I'm distracted here <laughs> or something like that. Or like, I'm overstimulated. I'm like, wow, you've thought about that, haven't you? <laughs> um, but I see it. I really do. And uh, putting the questions in front of them, I think it just sort of like gives them that frame of mind to to be in a space to ask those questions. And, um, and I do see it. And I, I completely agree with you. What a fantastic conversation. I've had an absolute blast here. I like I just I've, I'm really happy to have had the opportunity to dive deep on this topic because it's like I've been saying it kind of always comes up. But just getting to talk about this specific topic has been really interesting and insightful, I think. Um, and I, I hope that our listeners get some of the same value that I've gotten out of this in particular, some of the things that you do that I'm going to try myself. Thank you for having me. And I've been really looking forward to being able to share some of my experiences with modern classrooms as well as how it's going in my own niche version of the modern classrooms model. Yeah, well, it's it's been fantastic. So thank, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Lydia, how can our listeners connect with you if they'd like to? Absolutely. So right now, the best way to contact me is via email. My email is also probably in the show notes, but it's lydiacrush.ljc at gmail.com. And I'm happy to check in and connect with other people who are either currently using modern classrooms or are interested in figuring out a way to make it work for themselves in their own class or administrators who are hoping to support educators make this work for them as well. Awesome. Yeah, that will indeed be in the show notes. Thank you so much for that. Definitely, listeners, reach out. I can tell you, having had this conversation myself with Lydia, they're very insightful. (laughs) And of course, you've all listened in and heard it too. So. <laughs> Listeners, remember you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org and you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash one seventeen. We will have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday, so be sure to check there or check back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. But apart from that, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org, and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students and schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.